0: Hello, and welcome to Postcards from Palisade, the podcast that's all about the people and places that make this slice of Western Colorado wonderful. I'm your host, Lisa McNamara. Today, I'm talking with a star of the Colorado wine scene, and her new sidekick, to find out what's going on in Palisade and the wider Colorado area in the wine industry today. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today.
1: I'm Cassidy Shaw. I'm the executive director of the Colorado Association for Viticulture and Enology, and we produce Colorado Mountain Wine Fest and a Vinco conference uh, over here in Palisade and Grand Junction.
0: And if we hear anything in the background, any chewing, who is that? Um,
1: We are here in my office in Palisade with our little puppy Jilly, and she's enjoying a little bone behind (laughs) us.
0: (laughs) So for somebody who maybe hasn't heard the terms viticulture and enology before,
1: what does that mean? Yes, um, our organization has a very long name. We're more affectionately (laughs) known as CAVE. But viticulture is uh, grape growing and enology is winemaking. We are a 501c6 trade nonprofit. Um, we were established way back in 1987 as all volunteer board over here in Palisade by uh, winemakers and grape growers here in the area. And we are set up like a chamber of commerce. Um, we have several membership tiers, uh, winery, uh, excuse me, winery and vineyards, allied trade partners. So other organizations that are interested in being part of the organization uh, maybe retailers um, real estate offices things like that cork companies and then individual members so amateur winemakers and the like and our whole organization exists to support and encourage winemaking and grape growing throughout the state through education and research and we do that through a couple really big events um, mostly the consumer focused event Uh, folks are more familiar with is colorado mountain wine fest and then all of the proceeds from that go through back to the industry through our trade conference uh, held every January called Vinco.
0: And what would a, what would a member of okay KU get? Like what benefits do they get by joining?
1: Several benefits uh, through all three of those tiers, but the uh, big ones are discounts to a lot of those events. We put on mini educational seminars throughout the year. We hire a full-time lobbyist that monitors and legislates on behalf of the industry um, and monitors alcohol-related bills for us. Like I mentioned, that conference we put on, um, it's a four-day multi-track trade show and conference held over here in Grand Junction. We partner with the Western Colorado Horticultural Society and put together four days of industry learning. And we bring in folks from all over the country and sometimes all over the world uh, to speak to our industry on winemaking, grape growing, um, business and marketing, and then a, a very large trade show accompanied with that. And then we do a lot of marketing and outreach on behalf of the industry. Through Wine Fest, of course, that event brings in anywhere from 4,000 to 5,000 attendees for several days in September. So a lot of different things. Um, we also run an amateur wine competition throughout the year for our amateurs, bringing in judging uh, or judges from across the state to judge amateur wine. So a lot of different facets.
0: With the amateur winemaking, I, I looked a little bit of that online, and it's, there were a lot of different award winners, so that made me think, there must yes. be a lot of entries. Yes,
1: um, <laughs> we range anywhere from, I'd say, 80 to 90 to over 100, 120, uh, depending on the year, and then what's really, really cool about that event is we get to see amateurs enter year over year and maybe get a bronze, a silver, a gold medal, then Gold, double gold, year over year, mm-hmm. and and then really get those comments and feedback from our judges, and then get that praise, and, and uh, just really want to step up their game, and go on to open a commercially licensed winery in the state, so That's just cool. really seeing... Uh, that stepping stone and being part of growing the industry itself.
0: Yeah, Julie is jumping on me right now. So <laughs> she cute. wants to be part You're of the so interview. <laughs> You're so tiny. Yes. Yeah, so that's cool. You get to see them kind of grow and progress over time and get to really know people mm-hmm. as they get started. That's yeah, really cool. and we've
1: been part of, um, or not been part of, but really just gotten to see the industry grow. One of our Cave board members. Julianne Adams with Vine79 actually was uh, one of our amateur winemakers for many years and opened her winery during COVID. Oh, wow. And she's located right here in Palisade.
0: Yeah. Well, I did have one follow up question about Vinco. The average person maybe wouldn't necessarily kind of know what's going on, um, but it just seems like such a great venue and important resource mm-hmm. for winemakers and grape growers in Colorado. What do you see? being kind of the most the few things that are most in demand for people wanting to learn
1: about so you're exactly right vinco is a very industry focused event um a lot of folks don't really even if you were a consumer on the street don't don't even know what's happening in the convention center especially in the middle of january but we're seeing a lot of folks in the industry really focused on water right now um we're obviously in a drought uh years in the western slope and in colorado in general and then in wine making and uh, viticulture in general we're really focused on the types of grapes we're growing 2020 was a really really devastating year for everybody um, of course with the pandemic but in the wine industry we've suffered a very very uh, devastating freeze out here in palisade and even up into the west Elks area we it was uh, late October, we had a over 70 degree shift in temperature in 24 hours, and um, lost. I think the final count was, I think, 70 to 80% of all vinifera. So we're really looking at hybrids and different types of grapes that grow well in Colorado. As you know, our climate is very temperamental. Um, we could have very late spring frost um, or very early frost in the fall. So we're um, doing a lot of research and um, winemaking techniques with different types of hybrids that consumers maybe may not be as familiar with. So you'll see a lot of those sessions at previous conferences. We have all of those uh, available on our website. And then looking forward to what we'll be offering in our 2024 conference as well.
0: And then you'll also do another event, the Barrel into Spring, right?
1: Yes, (laughs) that's a newer one. This will be our second year we've offered that event. That was a long-standing event put on by a previous uh, wine association here in the Grand Valley that we've taken over. It'll happen in one weekend in April and one weekend in May and feature tastings from seven separate wineries, seven wineries in April and seven wineries in May and then barrel samples and then food bites at each of those locations as well.
0: Barrel samples, I think it's such a unique thing Mm -hmm. it's not something that somebody can get every day right yes yeah is kind of your one chance absolutely
1: so it's a definite heightened experience than what you would see just behind um, a tasting bar and really I like to think of it as like really glimpsing into the future because you're again tasting something that's not even been released yet it's not fully developed yet and then have the ability to say like, oh, I really want, I want to purchase part of what's in that barrel. Um, so you're kind of just tasting futures almost, which mm-hmm. is exciting.
0: It wasn't obvious to me at first when I started reading about the event. And then when I started you know, understanding a little bit more, like, oh, you're actually tasting something that you can't get any other time yes. of year. And mm-hmm. it's two, you know, seven different wineries each weekend. So it's really like a chance to see like 14 different wineries and mm-hmm. what their products are going to be like in the future. Yeah,
1: I I absolutely agree. And if folks are really looking for that really unique experience, you're tasting wine that will literally taste different a week later, even (laughs) because it's still not completely aged and um, not finalized. So we're all living in that moment of experiential and very unique experiences. And so I, I... That's what I always think of. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're tasting something that will never have again (laughs) because it's going to be different when it's bottled and, or even different when it's, you know, sitting in that barrel a month later, two months later.
0: So a lot of my questions are kind of Palisade focused, but I Mm -hmm. know that CAVE doesn't just focus on Palisade, obviously, or even just the Grand Valley AVA, you focus on Colorado as a state in general. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. So we um, actually are working with the Colorado Tourism Office on a marketing grant right now, and we've highlighted and through a lot of research of where folks are touring and tasting from and to, three main wine regions. So we have two American viticultural areas, uh, the Grand Valley AVA, which is here in Palisade, and the West Elks AVA, which is up in Peonia and Hotchkiss area. We're highlighting both of those areas. There's about 30 plus wineries here in Palisade and another 25 or so up in the West Elks region. Um, and outlying areas and then we are also highlighting the front range wine region and the front range uh, wine region we are very broad and pulling from boulder and fort collins all the way down through the downtown denver area and then all there's wineries all the way down to um, colorado springs canyon city Um, so if you're out wanting to grab a bite of food or, you know, see a ball game and then want to grab a tasting a glass of wine at a tasting room, you're able to do so um, literally just about anywhere in Colorado. We have wineries all the way down at the Four Corners region. We have wineries in Evergreen. We have wineries literally on the continental divide. It's really a unique state to drink Colorado wine and wine in general, obviously, and then uh, where our growing regions are as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Over the last 10 years or so, how much has Colorado wine
1: production changed? Uh, Exponentially. When I started um, just over 12 years ago, we had just over 100 wineries and about the same vineyard production, um, but we're now sitting at over 170 wineries.
0: Wow.
1: And that includes wine, cider, and mead, Mm -hmm. um, but it's really exciting to see how far the industry has come and the perception of Colorado wine has changed significantly Um, We have wineries that are being written up in Forbes and Wine Spectator and Wine Enthusiasts, And um, our regions are just getting such great press and representation, which is just so exciting to see. Yeah, it is
0: really exciting. I mean, I'm obviously a big fan. (laughs) Yes. So we were talking a little bit earlier about the ballot initiatives in 2022. There was a lot on that people were able to vote on last year in terms of wine, wine availability, Mm -hmm. and the one that actually passed was wine grocery stores. Can you talk a little bit about the one that passed and if CAVE had an official position on any of those initiatives?
1: Yes, there were a lot of initiatives involving alcohol and wine. Our organization did not take an official position um, on any of them. I don't believe (laughs) this was a while ago, and we have a lot of legislation (laughs) coming down right now. The one that did pass was wine in grocery stores. We, had, we have such a large representation of our membership that some would benefit from, some would not. And uh, we felt that it was the, in the best interest to let our um, membership kind of go forward and, and, you know, what works best for them um, rather than take a position that uh, may negatively impact one or the other. From Vintners restaurants to limited wineries, to, we have liquor stores uh, we, re- we represent as well. We have immediately seen, I mean that went into effect earlier, just earlier this month, mm-hmm. 20 days I'm ago or see. so. Uh, we have some that are uh, making use of that and have seen placement in Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, city markets and things like that. And then some that are just continuing on with direct-to-consumer um, or liquor store placements. But it's definitely a shift in mm-hmm. uh, overall in, in the model for sure.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine that it would be a very complex issue for this position where you are really trying to elevate everybody. Yes. And, <laughs>
1: and we are <laughs> a small issue. industry. I mean, um, as you know, in California and some of those bigger wine regions, this is, they're like, wait, you don't have this? <laughs> this yeah. is all news. Um, <laughs> but those, those, those are also very large production industries. On average, I'd say the Colorado wine industry is, you know, about a thousand to two thousand cases per year. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have several wineries that make much, much more than that, and then we have some that make less than that, Mm -hmm. but to fulfill some of those case orders or uh, some of those orders for some of these larger grocery stores or convenience stores, that's where you get into some of those, like you said, those layered and complex issues, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It may work for some. It may not work for all.
0: If you need to take her out or anything, we can probably I think I'm going to give catch. her. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think you go out a lot, right? I have a little yeah. toy for her. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. I so she's done. I know, She's, like, distracting with her cuteness. I'm just, like, oh, <laughs> oh. <no." laughs> yes, it's hard to get her okay. Anyway. But for the upcoming year, you mentioned that there were quite a few things currently in legislative session relating to alcohol industry. What kind of things are you seeing or what?
1: Yeah, there are um, lots of things happening in the um, legislative world regarding alcohol. Um, Currently, our organization is working on a festival bill to assist with the amount of festivals a winery or site or brewery or distillery can attend in a 12-month period. So that would really assist with the winery's ability to attend festivals, sell wine by the glass or bottle, and just be able to have that be an additional kind of extension to their business model.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's a limit today then? hmm Oh, interesting. So they're cap, so really like a winery would need to say, okay, I need to pick mm-hmm.
1: Plan out their a year. certain number mm-hmm. of festivals
0: and yep. I'm going to try to figure out which ones are going to be most useful to me. And yeah, yes. I can see how that would be really challenging. Yeah. Anything else, or is that kind of the big one? That's the right
1: big one, definitely. We're working on.
0: The other cool thing I noticed on your website was that you know Cave offers a scholarship program. Yes. Um, well, we just did pass the deadline for this year. Yes, I have um, all of the
1: emails drafted, ready to go out to the recipients.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this that's week. such a cool opportunity. can you talk a little bit about what that's for, or you know, traditionally who it's been awarded to? Mm-hmm.
1: So um, this is a scholarship program we began. Oh goodness several years ago before covid and we wanted to make the barrier of entry really really easy and low so it's for any cave member or their employees or staff the board or our staff can apply and it has to go towards something in viticulture analogy or marketing or business related and that's it (laughs) it can go towards classes a seminar a session a tips training anything of the sort. And we've offered it, like I said, for the last several years. Unfortunately, during COVID, we had to pull back that program. Uh, We weren't able to offer Mountain Wine Fest. It was the only year it's ever been canceled in 2020, and that's our biggest fundraiser. So that was one of the programs we've unfortunately had to cut. And this is the first year we've been able to bring the program back, and we've been able to double the amount of funding we've been able to offer through our scholarship program. So with that amount of money we've been able to offer, we've also seen an increase in the amount of applicants, which really made myself and our board really happy. So that application deadline was earlier this month, and our board met earlier this month as well and uh, went through all all of our applicants and saw all of the programming they were requesting funding for. So it's everything from UC Davis winemaking courses to tips training courses to tuition assistance for our Western Colorado Community College viticulture and enology program so really anything in the realm of viticulture and enology or winemaking and grape growing just to encourage and further their education and training we don't care where it exists in the world we don't care if they're going to a course on the other side of the states or on the other side of the world or if they're taking an online certification program or a WSET class a, a certified som class we're just mm-hmm. excited to help support that um, additional education and training cool. and that they're doing that yeah. <laughs> and we can be part of it
0: definitely yeah it really helps benefit the local community and I mean anybody who's a cave member or any yes one in Colorado yeah so that's a really cool thing obviously you know a lot of the production of wine grapes Fruit, everything in the valley wouldn't happen without migrant workers. Yes. Take on a lot of the labor. Mm-hmm. It, what, if anything, does CAVE do to support migrant workers?
1: So, we've worked um, closely in the past with the Child and Migrant Services. Mm-hmm. They've been partners at our Colorado Mountain Wine Fest in the past. Like I said, all of those scholarship opportunities are open to, to all. And then we work closely with the Western Colorado Horticultural Society. So all of these organizations are intertwined. And like you had said earlier, all of these programs are intertwined and the product is intertwined. And yeah, it's a huge, huge, amazing organization. And without them, this organization would not exist and this industry would not exist. And they're doing phenomenal work here, here in the Valley. Our lobbyist is also... Um, monitoring anything that's involving the H2A program and anything that would impact either positive or negatively with what goes on with our migrant workers mm-hmm. as well. Of
0: course, makes sense.
1: What yeah. new things are Colorado winemakers doing that you're really excited about? We're seeing a lot of amazing collaboration between our own industries, so it could be alternating propriet- proprietorship, so wineries working on uh, different types of. um wineries working on each other's licenses or um sharing barrels sharing um ideas things like that to different packaging and different types of collaborative efforts towards new and uh, exciting wines and varietals we're also just seeing a lot of kind of that trend in hybrid wines um, and blends there's a lot of I think kind of a shift in events and because of that festival permit I had mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. we're seeing Colorado Wine Walk is a really good example. This is a new event that's taking place um, in downtown Denver Mm -hmm. in April and I believe again in August where they're inviting a lot of wineries onto their premise and in just a new and fun way, I think they're having 9 to 12 wineries with little tables but with a wine check, just a very new, I don't want to say improved festival, but um, just more of these urban feel, urban vibe, instead of like Mountain Wine Fest, for example, where you're down in a Riverbend Park um, or park atmosphere, um, just kind of a new take on a festival atmosphere.
0: What do you find most challenging in promoting Colorado wine?
1: Definitely the ability to change folks' perception. When you're chatting with folks about Colorado wine and they've had it in the past, maybe five or 10 years ago, it may be hard for them to put those negative connotations or if they've had something a long time ago and they're like, Oh, wasn't for me. It was too sweet or, you know, just change that. And so events like the one I just mentioned or a wine fest or a tasting or a wine pair dinner um, is a really great way to showcase how far the industry has come and how new some of these wines and blends and new hybrids that are coming out would be a great way to introduce some of these, just how amazing these wines are. Mm
0: -hmm. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm from upstate New York Mm -hmm. and I worked in the Finger Lakes wine region Mm -hmm. for uh, seasons and it was a very similar challenge for New York wine. A lot of people had had it 10 or 20 years ago when it was more like jug style, really sweet. And you know, they're like, I don't like New York wine. And so that was a really big issue is mm-hmm. getting over that perception of it all being kind of sweet jug mm-hmm. wine um, when actually they're doing really amazing Rieslings and, mm-hmm. you know, cold climate red wines. Yes. So that's that's interesting that I think a lot of the smaller, less known wine, wine regions probably struggle with something mm-hmm. similar.
1: Yeah, and we bring, uh, her name just escaped me, Red uh, the folks from Redtail Ridge, they've come out and yeah. spoken at Vinco. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they're they do just a fantastic job. Oh, you're in a meeting? Okay. Hi, Rondo. Hi. Call me when you're done. Okay. Don't let the puppy out. I won't. <laughs> Thanks. I see you. Okay. <laughs> He's somebody you should talk to.
0: But their wine is amazing. It is.
1: And very, like, very similar. And one of the mm-hmm. best comments we get, I don't know if that's... The right way to phrase that, but when folks come and taste and tour through Palisade is, oh, this was Sonoma 25 years ago, or this was Napa 30 years ago. And we very much lean into this wine region, to Palisade being very small and quaint and very family-focused and family-oriented. There's a very high chance when you're tasting here that you're meeting or you're having wine poured from the winemaker, the owner, the cellar manager, the vineyard manager, Most times they're all the same person and most times they're all husband and wife or they're related, but it makes for such a unique experience and storytelling. I mean, you're getting from front to back, how they got into the industry, how they got into this, you know, this lifestyle and why they make the wine they do. And that's not unique for the whole state of Colorado. Mm -hmm. You'll hear the same from the West Elks region, from downtown Denver, from the Four Corners, the Rocky Mountains as well.
0: It just helps contribute to the really friendly atmosphere, too, mm-hmm. because it is so familial and mm-hmm. welcoming. Absolutely. Like we just saw, Rondo walked into the cave office. Yes. You're located in
1: downtown Palisade. <laughs> yes.
0: If somebody were to stop in, like what do you have people stop in? And if they do, what sort of information can you provide them?
1: Yes, we um, so I work here in the office with our program director, Melinda Treadway. We're a small team of two, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and we are here year round. We have the ability to offer literally anything and everything for folks that come in off of the street, we have maps of the area. For the um, just the area of Palisade, and then we can answer anything and everything for the wine industry on a statewide scale as well. Mm-hmm. We have a tiny little retail shop. Um, we have all the previous year's Wine Fest posters. We have Wine Fest merch. We have Riedel glassware, T-shirts, things like that. But we do get a lot of walk-in traffic around high season, which for us starts probably April through. September, October, uh, folks looking for best places to taste, places to eat, where to stay, what to do while they're here on their visit. So, yeah, we like to think of ourselves as like a little visitor center or an info desk for the wine industry. So... If you're around, please stop in and come say hi. We also have lots of dogs in the office. Oh, my gosh. I have our little puppy in the yeah, world. We have our little puppy, and then Mel has two German sh- short hair pointers named Stella and Nelson. Oh. <laughs> so it's well, a little doggy really petting sweet. zoo in here. <laughs> yeah. Stop
0: by for some light info and some dog pets. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <She's>... <laughs> <laughs> she's somehow like rolling. Oh, she's trying to give me to better belly, like in the air. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, personally, I have like tons of job envy for your position. How did you get into this and what, what made you want to do this like, for your
1: career? I graduated from Mesa State slash Colorado Mesa University. I graduated the year uh, the school changed names with a uh, degree in human resource management and business management in 2011. And didn't, I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know where I wanted to do it. I really wanted to work in nonprofit. I had done a lot of work in service clubs and uh, student clubs on campus the whole, my whole student career. And um, when I graduated, I just started sending resumes everywhere. I had moved here from Costa Rica. My family and I had lived in Costa Rica for several years Um, So I was like, oh, let's get out of Junction. Let's go back to the big city. Let's go to Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was applying to places all over the state essentially, but not here. And I think it was my mom or my grandmother that found literally an ad in the Daily Sentinel. And they're like, you should apply for this job. And it was an executive director position for an organization I had never heard of, (laughs) Um, but it was event planning and Uh, volunteer coordination and things that I had done all throughout my career at school and I applied thought there was no way they were ever gonna call me back um, because I was just out of college but they did and then they called me back again for a second interview and I was really excited and really thrilled and the other part I was very upfront with I was like I don't have any wine background I do you know my degrees in business and human resource, but not wine. (laughs) We don't have a wine program at the school yet, but it was just what they were looking for. They were really in, they were at a point where they were doing an organizational restructuring of the organization. So previously it was all volunteer led and that they had a director of the festival, but not of the organization. So it was a good time to come in and kind of just take stock of where the budget was and um, where things were going, and they were just kind of looking for somebody with some uh, social media background and things like that, and sure. taking it into a new direction. So right,
0: and it sounds like an opportunity just to have grown together and yes. develop the organization. Absolutely,
1: better. yeah. What a cool opportunity! Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and it's, I've been here ever since. It's been a huge learning experience mm-hmm. for everybody. You know, since I've been here, but um I would not have traded anything for the world. It's been a wonderful. Honor and privilege to grow alongside this industry and see how far the wineries have come, the, the growers have come, and just the industry overall.
0: What's a typical day
1: like? Definitely depends on the time of year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first quarter is all conference, like uh, Vinco or Vinco conferences in January. Um, we shift into barrel into spring around this time. Winefest applications go out. Summer, spring and summer, we're really focused on winefests. And then if you're here in August and September, it's like all hands on deck, getting everything ready for the festival. The whole office will transform into a bunch of boxes, Um, but we're still open, you know, taking questions and calls and folks that need something, we'll just maybe have more stuff here. And then in between all of that, we're running board meetings, budgeting, strategic, like marketing sessions. Definitely after COVID, a lot of our meetings shifted to Zoom, so I'm on my computer a lot, but it's nice because we're able to connect with folks all over the state and all over the country a lot easier without as much travel. But it's definitely every day's a little different meeting with sponsors, meeting with different groups we work with and things like that. It's awesome.
0: I'm sure you can't ever, ever mention to anybody what your favorite winery is. That's a secret. Yes. You never your life. <laughs> yes. But what's your favorite wine uh, to drink? Like your favorite varietal or type mm-hmm. kind
1: of wine? Yes, I okay. drink a lot of, this is not a secret, people ask me this a lot. Um, <laughs> I sure. drink a lot of really big, uh, bold reds. So Cab Franc, you know, Noir, not as big as and bold, but red. And uh, Malbec, I've become a really big fan of Petit Pearl recently, drinking a lot of hybrids. And then for whites, I like a very uh, like dry uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. So I drink a lot of everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of everything for sure. When folks come into the office, we do get that question a lot. We have a little booklet here for the area and then for the state of, you know, what do you like? Do you like sweeter wines, uh, dry wines, fruit mm-hmm. wines, ports? And then we'll mm-hmm. send folks to their respective Wineries, and they're a big party. We'll call ahead and let them know we're sending, you know, a tasting group of ten or more. But uh, we try and get them to where they're going with a, a glass of wine that they'll enjoy at the end. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing about the Palisade community? That's a great question. It's very friendly and it's very tight knit. Sitting on the Tourism Advisory Board for the past 12, goodness, 11 and a half, 12 years, there is always something to get involved in or something to do. Um, We just had an amazing event happen, I think, just last weekend called Sing Up the Sun that was kind of a homage or welcome to the equinox. And it was all just put on by a community member that just wanted to see a new event happen this time of year, which is a bit slower for us. We've not hit spring um or I'm sorry. Yeah, early spring like summer festivals, farmers markets not up yet, our honeybee festival's not here yet. And to see, I think the first one was last year, but to watch that event take off and it's all community led and volunteer driven and people came out with poems and dancing and costumes and puppets. I'm, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, and this wonderful. was all just a small community put together. Our old-fashioned Christmas is another, I think, great example of that, where I don't think I've seen another community put that on outside of, like, a Hallmark movie, <laughs> so yeah, um, or, like, our trick-or-treat street is very similar, like, this is a very Halloween town um, event, so the, that's definitely what comes to mind, is how niche and wholesome, I would say, it is.
0: When you do get a day off, how do you enjoy your day out? <laughs> it's also a good question. I play, I, play a
1: lot of a, I play a lot of video games. I am This puppy is keeping me very <laughs> active, <out. laughs> doing a lot of training. And then I, I if I can schedule it incorrectly, um, I go to Hotworks, like a yoga studio oh, yeah. here in town, to work out as well. Or I'm out tasting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Benchmarking wines. <laughs> sure. I do love live music and supporting live music and local music. Both my brother and my partner are in bands, and I mean, got a handful of my friends. So there's always something happening. We have a great local music scene here on the Western Slope. If it's not on the Western Slope, we're literally traveling to go see music um, on the Front Range or um, surrounding areas. But it would probably be supporting one of those two bands, either my partner's band, Zoloft, or my brother's band, Peach Street Revival, or just literally popping in a local music venue and just seeing who's on stage. I'm a really firm believer that very kind of full circle to that um, event I just had mentioned, that Sing Up the Sun event, that their art is everywhere. And I used to be a dancer. And so being able to see somebody on stage that, you know, has rehearsed and put so much time into their craft, whether they're playing guitar or playing drums and being able to share that with them, even, you know, just on a Thursday night at a farmer's market or something is, um, I think, really special. Last question is,
0: what's another person or organization that you'd love to hear from on this podcast for in a future
1: episode? I think child and migrant services would be amazing. The Chamber of Commerce has a lot of things going on, so they'd be a great one. I, there's still a lot. I could just email you a whole list. <laughs> um, the Chamber would be great. The Town of Palisade would be great, I think, because between what they do for the town and then the events they put on as well. They put on bluegrass, I think would be an awesome one.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. It's really great to talk with you. Yeah. Where can people find out more information about any of the events or about CAVE?
1: If you are interested in learning more about our nonprofit, the Colorado Association for Viticulture and Enology, our website is winecolorado.org. So you can find everything about... The Amateur Wine Competition, our scholarship program, and Vinco on that site. And then if you're interested in learning more about Colorado Wine Fest and the events and tickets and things like that, that is ColoradoWineFest.com. Thank you so much,
0: Cassie. Thank you.
1: This was amazing.
0: If you're interested in being on the show, or if you have ideas for a future show, I'd love to hear from you you can reach me at lisa at postcardsfrompalisade.com. The Postcards from Palisade podcast is available on all major podcast distribution platforms, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Find us and subscribe now so you never miss an episode. We also have a website, postcardsfrompalisade.com, where latest episodes and links to more information are posted. Thanks for listening. With love, from Palisade.